Dear Heavenly Father, um, this morning we, we just praise you. We praise you for each individual here, and we praise you for just this opportunity that we can come together and learn more about you and praise your name and worship you. Inevitably, that is what we are all here for this morning, is to worship and praise you and you alone. Uh, be with us in this time as we uh, look towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. For you, O oh God, 
My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a joyous of praise, with a multitude that kept pilgrim feasts. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope is in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. you would help us desire only you that 
when times are rough and things are bad, that we would reach out to you, the one, the true, the only God who can save. We thank you so much for all you've done for us, and we praise your name, Lord, for all you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Don't that happen to you? Don't you love that? It's the old, where's my glasses? I can't find my glasses. Oh, they're on my head. Guys, it's good to see you this morning. <laughs> There's another one. Did y'all get Anyway. We are getting ready to close out summer. Of, now, we closed it out officially here last week with the shindig. But we've kind of got this little liaison for the next couple of weeks and I know I'm going to see some of you today I'm not going to see some of you next week and then I won't see some of you two weeks after that because it's kind of that you know everybody's got to get their last minute vacay on I get it get you a little R&R you need it um, but I want to make the, I know it was announced earlier September the 9th is a Wednesday and that's going to kind of be the full-on launch that's our clubs night all right Kids clubs will kick off on that Wednesday evening. And guys, I want you to do everything you can. Number one, lifting it in prayer. That's something every one of you can do. All right? So I'm asking everyone in Community Baptist Church, pray for the club year, kids clubs. All right? Second thing, for those of you who have kids, do everything within your ability to get your children here. Okay? Newsflash. The Lord's returning. The Lord's returning. And I promise you, nothing else will be important. Nothing. So whatever's important right now that you think is usurping the rightful place of the gathering of the saints, take it to the Lord in prayer. In fact, you know, we don't even got to take it to the Lord in prayer. Unless we got to take it to the Lord in prayer to ask Him to give you the strength to die to self and honor Him. And that is something we do need to pray for daily. Guys, we want you here. We want your children here because we're investing in their life. Imagine for a second, dream with me for a moment. Had all these people in Portland, Port, Portland, yeah, sorry, had it, had it, in all the other places right now where there's rioting and looting and craziness going on in the streets. Imagine had those kids been raised and still had their cubby vests. <laughs> I mean, really. You know what I'm saying? Guys, we got an opportunity to impact the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and change the landscape. But it ain't going to happen if we're not invested. And I think when we look at society... 
And I mentioned this last week in our sermon. I think the, the judgment begins at the house of God. We can point the finger out there and shame on them, shame on them. No, 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 shame on us. Shame on us. Because we have the cure. We prayed this this morning in our deacons meeting. Pandemic. Now imagine you had the cure. You had a genuine cure. And you knew it. And let's imagine it was actually killing mass amounts of people, okay? Not like the inflated... Anyway, people do die. I understand that from a lot of things. But imagine it was a mass death happening. And you had the cure. How selfish do you got to be to sit on it? Guys, there's something a lot worse than a pandemic. It's called sin. And all you got to do is turn on the TV to see what's run amok in the world. Sin is grow, growing worse and worse and worse. And it's going to get darker and it's going to get darker and it's going to get more evil and it's going to get more evil. And guess who it's coming for? Your children. And your children's children. Your grandkids. And the only chance they're going to have the only chance they're going to have is understanding the authority of God's Word, knowing the truth, hiding that Word in their hearts so they won't sin against Him, being able to take on the whole armor of God that they might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And if they're not equipped, then that's like sending them into Afghanistan with nothing but a squirt gun. What kind of parent does that? Guys, I'm not trying to be hard. I'm trying to be loving. I'm trying to be an encourager. I'm trying to be an exhorter. I am trying to tell you what is important. The local church is important. Jesus Christ loved the church. He died for her. That's you. That's me. That's the gathering. That's the gathering of saints. Don't let this exhortation hit you and harden you. That's not what this was supposed to be. This is to be an exhortation to come alongside you to say, hey, I love you, and I love your children, and I love that God is at work in this church and desires to do a work in them and through them. Let's work together in raising them to know the Lord. All right, that was a free sermon. We're not going home yet. Don't look for K and Deb. Oh, they're closed anyway. Boy, that wasn't that disappointing news. We got that. Did y'all get that memo? I about cried. I mean, where am I going to get my grilled chicken smothered with onions? Where am I get the large, I don't get the small, the large hamburger steak smothered with onions? You know what I'm saying? And the mushrooms. Oh, anyway. Oh. We're going to go see the lady with the, with the cubby vest. All right. All right. Uh, guys, we're, we're going to be uh, taking a little detour for the next few weeks. Uh, we're in that in-between, like I said, and so we're going to be talking uh, on some topical issues, and then we're going to, Lord willing, go back into a book study. Our next book is Philippians. Philippians. All right, help y'all remember where we're going next. And, um, <laughs> sorry, I had a little coffee this morning, maybe a little too much. Um, so if you want to go ahead and start reading Philippians, not now, but in, you know, the days ahead, we're going to try to get there. In the meantime, I want to talk to you about church governance. Everybody's excited. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Things you won't get at some churches. Uh, we're going to be talking about church governance. And specifically today, we're going to do things a little out of sequence. Normally, we would start with elders and then we'd speak to about deacons. 
Um, but today, as you know, church members, uh, you are uh, laying hands, uh, voting for deacons today. And so uh, I felt it in order to go ahead and let's start this one first. It may be a two-parter. We'll see. We'll see how we, how we go. Um, but, uh, and then, Lord willing, we'll go after the deacon study. We'll go into a study on the elders. Just by the way, elders doesn't mean, you know, the older people. All right? When we're speaking of church governance, an elder is a pastor. Okay? A pastor. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Also, in today's study, you may see some reference to the term bishop. Okay? That also is a synonymous term for pastor. Okay? So don't be confused if you see elder, bishop, pastor. They're the same office. Okay? And again, we'll get more into that in the elder study. But for today, uh, we want to talk about deacons. And so in order to uh, talk about deacons, there's a couple of things I want to say. First, we need to lay a little foundation, a little foundational understanding. Scripture is our final authority. Okay? We must start there. And I know all of you good church folk are sitting here thinking, yeah, yeah, we know that. But do we really know that? I imagine if we were to follow each other in any given moment of the day, first off, it'd be creepy and be stalking. But imagine if you, you know, were and not stalking. And I wonder how oftentimes in a day we make decisions that actually in our actions counter what we say we believe is true. We say that the Scripture is the final authority in life and practice and faith and conduct. But oftentimes, our own actions betray us, do they not? And so I want us to really take to heart some things to re-examine what is the authority in your life. Is it other people's opinion? Is it what's the mainstream? Is it the latest scientific research and findings? Is it the uh, latest philosophical discussion and debate? Is it the uh, latest uh, news broadcast that says blah, blah, blah? And that's what most of them say, blah, blah, blah. Again, some of these things in and of themselves may not be bad, and they can be conveyors of truth. But at the end of the day, it's only true if in the end it lines up with the authority of Scripture because at the heart of Scripture is the heart of God. And God is the final authority, is He not? And so, I want us to think about this. Scripture's our final authority. And it's extremely important for our church, Community Baptist, to be ordered in a way that is faithful to biblical teaching for various reasons. All right? So when it comes to church governance... We need to make sure, church, and you're responsible, you are responsible, church, to safeguard the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. As a doorkeeper, if you will, a pastor, a shepherd, an under-shepherd, I have the responsibility in leading and guiding and teaching you these truths, but you also have an active part, as we'll see today, in guarding the truth. 
And this is why it's so vital, this is why it's so important that you rightly divide the word of truth. It's not enough for your pastor to do this. Okay? It's not enough for your pastor to spoon feed. Right? That's not what you want. You should not desire to be spoon fed truth for 40 years. If you have a child who's born and for 40 years you have to spoon feed, it's usually because there is a health reason. There's something wrong. There's not been normal growth as there should be. And yet oftentimes in churches, this is what we see. For years, people grow up in the church. They live all their life in the church being spoon-fed. Many of them actually tasting the food and spitting it out. Read Hebrews. Don't take my word for it. Read Hebrews. And so it's important that what we do in the church is not based on the latest marketing. It's not based on the latest fashion or what we think's in. My opinions, your opinions, but thus saith the Lord. And so we want to make sure we know that. We must submit to the authority of God's Word. Period. I'm not immune to that. I'm not above that. I'm not beyond that. In fact, you have a biblical responsibility that if this pastor ever steps out of line from the authority of Scripture and begins to lead you astray in truth, you must hold me accountable. And you must do so biblically. Too often times in churches, though, our discrepancies are not on thus saith the Lord or doctrine or truth or sin. Oftentimes it's on preferences. It's on what I want, what you want, what you like, what they like, what you prefer, what they prefer. And that's what creates oftentimes the divisions and schisms in churches. It's not truth. But it's simply taste for preferences. We'll see that in today's study. If the Bible is truly God's Word to us, and it is, period, then it reveals God's ways and plans for us. Following God's plan is not an option. It's our Christian responsibility. Scripture refers to us as soldiers who are now enlisted. And again, I'm not a military person, but I imagine Maria... If you were to say, hey, you know what? As a soldier, I'm not going to do what is coming down from above. I'm going to do my own thing because I want to do this. Yeah, she's shaking her head. (laughs) That would not work at all, right? I mean, and, and yet, guys, we are enlisted We are soldiers of the Lord. He is our commander in chief. He's he is our king. He is our Lord, right? He doesn't give options oftentimes in Scripture, right? He gives commands. Military folk understand commands. Us laymen don't always understand commands, right? But we need to. When God is laying out truth in Scripture with commands, and there are times we see commands, then 
should we not obey? I'm reminded of our Lord, our Commander, our Savior, His words, if you love me, what? You keep my commandments. Not, not again out of a drudge, not out of a, 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 a duty, though we've had this debate often, this not debate, discussion, um, that oftentimes duty leads to devotion. Right? Sometimes good disciplines in our life actually cultivate soil so that that heart is more receptive to the truth. So sometimes, yeah, you know, you may not feel like spending time in God's Word. Sometimes you may not feel like getting up and coming to church. But those disciplines that are a part of our life as followers of Christ help soften the soil of our heart, do they not? And they can lead to devotion. It's no different than mothers. You, you mothers understand this. Did you always feel like wiping the snotty nose and butts of those youngins? Especially those terrible ones that happen on the road trip where it's like, how in the world did that go up their backside and on the ceiling? You've been there. I've been there. We've got four chances. I ain't going to tell you who was the worst. Right, Faith? I'm sorry. I did. I did. I did. Sorry, honey. I love you. She's older now. She's matured. Um, but as a parent, some days you don't feel like parenting. Welcome to adulting, right? Guys, sometimes we don't feel like certain things in our Christian walk. Doesn't mean it's not what's best. It's loving to do that which God has asked of us, what He calls us to. So I want to lay this little, again, as we go into this exciting study, because <laughs> I can see it all over your face. Deacons, we're learning about deacons and pastors. Woo! All right, because this is scriptural truth, and we need to understand it rightly, because it does affect the local church. Um, Christ Jesus, our Lord, He was adamant that the Pharisees were wrong too, right? In teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. See, one of the problems when it comes to church governance is too oftentimes churches fashion their governance on tradition. Now, may or may not be okay. But that tradition should be based upon the truth. And what got the Pharisees in trouble was they eventually got to where they were adding so many laws to the law that it became men's traditions and not the truth. So that when truth stood right in their face, they didn't hear it nor receive it. And so we have to be careful that as we establish uh, church governance in, in longevity here at Community Baptist Church, that we're doing so based upon the authority of Scripture. Our own church constitution rightly declares when it comes to the Word, it is the final authority for faith and life. The final authority for faith and life. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Completely reliable in the Word of God to us. So, that's the foundation. Go to your Bibles. Let's go to Acts 6. Acts 6. No, teenage boys, that's not what you spray on yourself to get ready, okay? <laughs> that's not what you do on the first day of school either, kids. <laughs> Acts 6. 
Anyway, never mind. I just a little entertainment while you're turning. <laughs> okay. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. And follow along if you would with me. Okay. Now, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Father, I do pray this morning as we look into the Word of truth that You will illuminate this truth to our hearts and minds, help us to see the importance of this study, and help us to find application for our own lives as we seek to honor You in all our ways. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here and you're saying, well, wait a minute, I, I, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm not a deacon. I don't ever plan to be a deacon. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a woman. I, I don't understand where this is relevant to me. Here's what I want to ask us all to do as we unpack the pack, uh, passage of Scripture. You're going to see some qualities. You're going to see some characteristics. You're going to see some things in play that speak to all of our lives as followers of Christ. And so glean those principles, glean those truths from the Scripture as to how these things should be impacting and shaping us. Again, at the end of the day, it all impacts you because as members of a local church, as those desiring to become members of a local church, we are accountable to one another. We are accountable to our Lord and Savior. We're accountable to the Word of God. And so it's vital for longevity that you understand these truths. Question. When Harvard, Yale, all these schools, Ivy League schools, a lot of these schools originally started, what was their purpose? Anyone? Yeah, train pastors, seminaries, right? These were to help people develop a deeper understanding of the Word of God. Wow. Lots changed, hasn't it? A lot has changed. It didn't change overnight, guys. It's always, I love that song, Slow Fade. You remember that one? Casting Crowns, right? Memory serves correct. And again, it is a slow fade. It's not something that happens overnight. I share with Pastor Dean a lot of times, you know, you just sort of, you ever drawn straws for something and you, you, know, you draw the short straw and you're like, oh, you know, that's, I always draw the short Sometimes in life, and I'm just being very transparent with all you guys, sometimes I feel like, again, feel like, that sometimes I just get that short straw in life. Like, I know a lot of you guys look at me and think maybe, hey, he just loves conflict. Trust me, I do not love conflict. I don't. Um, 
my wife will tell you, as she often tells me to warm my heart, is that she's, she thinks I'm just one of the most peaceable guys she's ever known. Thank you, honey. I love you too. But I also recognize that regardless of how I feel, I have a responsibility in the role that God has placed me in. And we'll talk more about that role in the days ahead in roles of what and responsibilities that I carry as a pastor. But a lot of times in that decision-making that's been entrusted according to the Word of God to the under-shepherd, it's just not a popular place to be. And so I'm dependent upon not my opinions, though I will give my opinions. At the end of the day, the truth of Scripture is what must be held forth. In Acts 6, we see some foundational things happening when it comes to the forming of the local church. You guys know what's been going on here. The gospel has been spread. God is adding to the church daily. Souls are being saved. It's multiplying. It's not addition. It's multiplying. It's blowing up. All right? 5,000, 3,000. I mean, people are coming to the Lord. Praise God. And we have the 12 apostles who are serving as under-shepherds. They are elders in this picture. They are pastoring the church and in the formation of the church. This is why, again, when we study the book of Acts, guys, we got to realize Acts is a transitional book, all right? It's the church is being established. So we don't necessarily anchor doctrine um, in the book of Acts with certain things with the local church, but is the formation of the local church. With that said, we look at the foundation. I disagree with MacArthur. You heard it. I disagree with MacArthur uh, in Acts 6 because he doesn't see this as the deacon concept. He says that comes later in Paul's epistle, which I agree with that part, as far as in the qualifications. But I think what we see here in this section is the foundation, the building blocks of what will establish later in the epistles and the writings of the New Testament church. So, today, with all that kind of said, I want us to look at the first section of deacons, and I want us to look at the qualifier. We're going to look at the qualifier, who I've given you the answer, is the Holy Spirit. And then next time, we'll look at the qualified. And we'll look at what it means to be a deacon in qualification. And so today we're going to look at the qualifier, the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's at work here in this book. Folks are, are coming to know the Lord. People are being saved. He's adding to the church. And then something happens. Cue the music. Dun, dun. What happens? There's a problem. Church and a problem? Never. Yes, shocking as that may be, there is a problem. Notice if you would, look in the text, verses 1 and 2. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint. No! No! None of y'all ever complain. <laughs> the church complaining? I never complain, except for when I'm complaining about complaints. Anyway. Yes! There were complainers way back then. 
But look, if you would, at this specific problem. What is going on? There is a problem. There's a complaint. It's against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Now, let's just be clear. That's not Miss Helen's ancestors, okay? Just let you off the hook, Miss Helen. So you've got the Jewish folk and you've got some Greek folk and they're not meshing real well. There's some issues happening. Guys, this should not be a shock that in the church, and this is the beauty of the church, there's such a diversity of people, there's such a diversity of likes, there's such a diversity of interests, there's such a diversity of what you think we should do and what they think we should do, that sometimes it creates issues. That's just human nature. That happens. The question is, how are we going to resolve the complaint? How are we going to deal with the problem? This is where we must be mature Christians. This is where we must follow that design, that order that God has laid out in the authority of the Word. Notice what they do. So there's a problem. The problem was their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So there was feeding. You remember what was happening? People were selling their goods so that everyone could be ministered to. They were trying to meet the needs of the folks in the church. And so some folks had a lot, some folks had a little. But everybody together was working in unity to minister to the needs of the saints. Guys, that's an important lesson for the church. All right? This is why I love percentages in Scripture. Because percentages doesn't discriminate. I don't care if you have $100, $100,000, or a million dollars. 10% of your livelihood is 10% of your livelihood. It affects your lifestyle, right, in the same percentage. I think God knows a little something about percentages. But anyway, so there's a complaint. These widows, are, the people, are feeling like, hey, they're getting neglected. There's a problem. Notice the proposal in verse 3. So, uh, the twelve were summoned, the multitude of the disciples, and said... Let, let, me, let me just back that up here for a second. Let, let me just finish this chapter, this verse 2. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said... It is not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Okay, so there was a problem. They weren't getting their proper daily distribution. And so the elders, the pastors, the apostles overseeing the church, the under-shepherds, if you will, said to those disciples, guys... We need to be given to the Word of God and to prayer. Imagine, if you would, had they spent their time waiting on the thousands, and it could be 20 plus thousand at this point, because when Scripture often counts, it counts men. It doesn't count women and children in a lot of those numbers, right? So you could be looking at 20 plus thousand people. 
Imagine had they had to take the time to go to every one of them and serve the food. The church would not have grown healthy. The Spirit of God, the qualifier, makes this truth known through His apostles, which were gifts to the church, which pastors are gifts to the church, evangelists are gifts to the church. We'll see one coming out of these deacons in just a little bit. So God, in establishing His church, uses His wisdom to say, here's how we're going to solve it. You're going to wait the tables. Now, this word used here, to wait tables, is the word where we get our word deacon from. Okay? The word deacon, a deacon, is one who waits tables. It's also a word that means to kick up dust. That kind of gives you an indication. They're getting the job done, right? A field hand, one who works in the dirt. Somebody doesn't mind getting their hands dirty. These are all descriptive terms that describe the function of what a deacon does. They serve the church. Specifically in this case, it was to serve the widows. That is something our deacons still do to this day. They help serve the widows. They help serve you. See, I want, what I want to come into focus here is a better understanding of what Community Baptist Church does in its deacon nomination, its deacon process, its deacon implementation of ministry. You see, we end up, um, well, I, we end up choosing from amongst ourselves, which is according to Scripture, people that we see meet those qualifications, and we put them forward. Now, let's go forward and see what happens here in the Scripture. So you have this problem, and then you have the proposal that comes next, and we'll see the power. Verse 3, uh, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Notice the proposal. Seek out. Church, that's your responsibility. That's why we changed our election process here at Community Baptist Church. You'll recall, you're told over a month ago, pray about, we're going to have, write down the names, the nomination. The nomination side of deacon election process, and we call that the nomination process, the nomination comes first because it's based on the authority of Act 6 right here. Choose from amongst yourself. The idea in that day is that you look around. You know. You know. You should know. If you don't know, then you don't know. That was real deep, wasn't it? Ivy got it. You don't write down a name of somebody you don't know. It, it pains me every year. And I understand some people say, well, you're going to, you know. you should know the fruit of a person. Well, I don't know that person's name. Then do you really know that person? <laughs> so you should be observing. And a lot of times, if truth be told, it's because we're not around enough to know. Ouch. I did say that, Zach. I'm sorry. 
But guys, this isn't too important for us to just willy-nilly write a name. Willy-nilly Nelson. I mean, I'm not trying to be hard. Guys, I am genuinely trying to lovingly teach in hopes of, of us understanding the importance because we don't want to be Yale. We don't want to be Harvard. We don't want to be the liberal church. We don't want to be the apostate church 40 years from now, 60 years from now, because we fell asleep on our watch. Dean gave a great message the other week on the passing of the mantle, the passing of the baton, if you will, right? We don't want to drop it, guys. That generation has delivered. You better deliver. And you know how you're going to deliver? Safeguarding the truth of God's Word. Standing firm on the authority of Scripture. Resting in the power of the Holy Spirit in conjunction with the truth of His Word to do what He's commanded us to do. So He says, seek seek out from amongst yourself. And so the fruit of the Spirit should be evident in the lives of those that you write their name down. It's funny. People will write down names of people. I've seen it really in the past. It's like... That guy hadn't been here for months. I don't even know if he's still alive. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's terrible. But it's funny sometimes, and then the people write down the names, and it's like, he's already a deacon. You just wrote down a deacon's name. Who's already a deacon. Anyway, I'm not, guys, come on, we got to be a little more engaged. We're talking the church. The bearer of light, the one that takes the truth of God's word into the world we got to be serious and engaged in the truth. So, the disciples come to him and say, Look, we got a problem. Our peeps are being neglected. And the pastors, the disciples, the, uh, the apostles said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God, serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men. Now, that, word, that seven there. It, it, oftentimes the scripture, you know, it, it speaks to completion. We don't need to, hey, well, the Bible says we've got to have seven. We've got to have seven. It, don't take that wooden literal, okay? They, no doubt, were sufficient to meet the need of the moment. I love that our Constitution says that we can elect deacons as needed. And sometimes you might need seven, sometimes you might need three. Sometimes, I hope, Lord willing, we get to a place where we need 12. Anyway. So, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. There's the power, guys. Who's at play in their life? Who's at play in the best deacon? It's the person of the Holy Spirit. And I believe when you know someone, you know that about them. You know that they love the Lord. You know that it's evident in in their life. You know an orange tree is an orange tree because it produces oranges. There's another deep one. Guys, when we are laying hands on someone to identify with them as a deacon, it should be because we see they are qualified by the qualifier. God has raised them up in our midst. It's evident in their life. Their testimony is such. Their work around the church is 
such. Their presence at the church is such. That's our responsibility. So, this is one of the important foundational things that we find here in Acts 6. You notice the business here mentioned in that. Notice what it says. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Let me back up. Go ahead and circle that word, we. That we may appoint. There's a foundational truth I do not want us to miss, church. Who is responsible in the local church to give the direction to the business at hand? Look at the passage of Scripture. Who is serving as a proxy in, the, in that local church? Because again, this is the church being birthed, right? So who's acting as pastors in this role, as under-shepherds at that time? It's the apostles, right? They are the first elders of the church, the first pastors of the church, the first bishops of the church. And so they said, we will appoint. Guys, this stuff may not be popular, but this is biblical. We're going to see a lot more of this in uh, our elder study of the responsibility and where it rests. Again, this isn't for my benefit. If Satan shot that fiery dart in your head, you can go ahead and bring that thought captive. This is about the security of the local church. This is about the integrity of the local church. This is about Community Baptist Church being a city on the hill 50 years from now, 100 years from now. To conclude my thought, I started earlier because I'm old like that. I told Dean that short stick I drew is one who believes God has called me for no other reason to earnestly contend for the faith. To stand for doctrine. To stand for the truth of Scripture. No matter how unpopular it might make me. Because I believe these truths are from God Himself and this is the task He's given me. And so, when I see this, I'm illuminated to the fact that the apostles appointed the project. So, here at Community Baptist Church, the deacons and pastors work together. And the deacons, oftentimes as servant leaders, table waiters, dust kickers, are men who have a heart for the Lord and they're ready to serve you. And who knows what's going on in the whole body? Who has responsibility of oversight of the whole body? So where am I going to get my information to know what's needed? And that's how we work in concert. It's no different than a home, guys. It's, look, God's authority is stamped in every institution. All you got to do is study every institution, government, family, Church. And you see the same template of authority in all three places when they're functioning properly. So in the home, you have daddy, mama, children. So you have differing roles, differing responsibilities, co-equal, very much one and the same in value, 
but they serve different roles. And if you get the roles out of order, you have an upside-down home. Seriously, this is why we have issues on the streets. No father. This is what we get. Children running the home. Parents catering to your children. Your children do not lead your home. Dad, you're responsible for that. But when you let your children be the center of everything, guess what's going to happen to your home? It's going to be out of order. And it's no different in a local church. All we're doing is functioning in our order, in our responsibility. My wife didn't sign up for birthing children. As much as I might want to take that, that's not mine. So again, we can, you know, well, I can do a better, I can do a better job. We have different responsibilities. We must serve in the role and responsibility God calls us to. So here we see the, the leadership appointing to the deacons what's the task at hand. By the way, the business they were to be placed over was the business of serving tables. Look at verse 2. Again, it, it translates the same as deacon. It, it's a table, it's a domestic servant, one who attends to the needs of others. Uh, again, it literally means to kick up dust. Uh, it's, the image, uh, it's the image of a servant working so hard and moving so fast that he leaves a cloud of dust in his wake. A deacon is a man who is chosen to be a servant of the church. He's to be busy in his service, kicking up dust, and meets the needs of the people of God at the direction of the pastors, overseers of the local church. Notice uh, these men again. We see the purpose. Second part of, of, of that verse 3, we're given the purpose it was to attend this business. Notice it wasn't the business, it was this business. There's a difference in deacons being responsible for the business and specifically a task. In this moment, the task was waiting tables, helping with Hellenistic women who were being neglected. That was the task, this business. That's, an important, that's important that we understand that. Because as we'll learn next week, we've gotten away from that. In the 1800s, there was a man who introduced into the Baptist circle the idea of the board. And so the deacon board was the idea of the bankers and a bunch of businessmen. And so they began to usurp the position of authority within the local church. And that's why a lot of our Baptist churches are in so much trouble is because even though Johnny come lately might be a great businessman, he doesn't know spiritual things and therefore he's trying to run the church with the mindset of a businessman. When it's spiritual in nature. And so we got to be careful. Now I'm not against a businessman being on the board as long as that businessman is full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Wisdom that comes from above, not earthly in nature. So the purpose we see. And then uh, we see the people. Let's continue reading. So in, in um, uh, verse 5, And the saying pleased the whole multitude. It pleased them. 
Man, I need to underline that and highlight that one. These preachers did something that pleased the whole church. That don't happen, folks. Some of y'all are hot right now and some of you are cold. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about. It pleased the whole church. Wow. And notice what they did. They did good. Who did they choose? They chose Stephen. Now, then we get into all these people, and it kind of gives you a list of all these people coming up and what they did. Um, by the way, Stephen was the first Christian martyr. He was the first Christian martyr. Remember, Paul was probably standing there holding the coats of those guys as they're stoning him. Later, one of the other guys, keep looking down, they also, who's, who's in, they, they chose Philip. You know who Philip was? Philip would later become a preacher. We'll find these things out in Acts 7, Acts 8, if you were to read it. Now, a deacon doesn't have to uh, be able to preach and teach, all right? That's one of the differences we'll look at next week. There's a difference. Uh, um, he, he's not, he doesn't have to be given to teaching, all right? That's a qualification for the pastor. He must be able to teach. An elder must be apt to teach. But a deacon does not necessarily have to be able to be a teacher. But Philip was, and a mighty one at that. So you notice the process, verse 6. Whom they set before the apostles. There again. So, so, so here's, follow our, here's what's happened, guys. Choose from amongst yourself. Y'all did that last week in the nomination. They've been vetted by the deacons. They've been vetted by the pastors. Now, they're being set before you today to lay hands on them, to agree. Now, the difference between what we do today and what we did last week, uh, last week was, again, you're supposed to be taking 30 days and praying about putting down men who are full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, good reputation. All these things we're seeing here in Acts. And that's why you wrote down the names of the ones you thought were that way. We have since looked at who are our Stevens and who are our Phillips that you identified. This is your putting forward. According to Scripture, this is what we've done. Today, we'll lay hands on them. We'll identify with them. We'll say yes to them. Or you'll say no to them. But if you say no to them, please understand, it's not like last week. You don't say no just because in this situation... Well, in this situation, you know, I, unless if you say no, it should be because there's a known reason to say no. There's, uh, I know sins in that guy's life. I know, you know, he's been hanging out at the juke joint. I see him every Friday night because I'm there. You know, something like that. Juke joint. We need to bring that word back, don't we? Yeah. Blanks, nobody asked. Anyway. So that's the reason you would say no today. All right? The process. You see the process here in Scripture. It's laid out for us. Then notice what happened, the proclamation, verse 7. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Guys, you want to know what happens when... Church does things decently and in order. God blesses it. God honors His Word because He honors His name. And so 
when we select deacons, when we nominate deacons, when we put forth deacons, when we lay hands on deacons, when we do this according to Scripture, God blesses. And that's what we must do. And notice as a result of this, the gospel was spread. Six takeaways, real quick. We'll go through these fast. So if you want to take pictures, it might be easier. If you're writing, you better write quick because I'm going to try and get you out of here before tomorrow. By the way, no Sunday night service, so you can rest. All right? Six takeaways. They were to be good men of honest report, men worthy of respect, men of personal integrity, men who avoid evil and seek the well being of others. That's the kind of men we need at Community Baptist Church to be deacons. Good men. And when I use that term, you know what I'm speaking of. Honest. Integrity. They were to be godly men. They're also to be full of the Holy Spirit. Godly in nature, guys. This should be an overflow. This means that they are to be spirit-filled, spirit-controlled. We just studied Colossians. What does it mean to be... What's synonymous? Ephesians and Colossians. We did the study. Here's a quiz. Paul writes in one place, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He writes in another place to be filled with what? That's a parallel passage. The verbiage is almost the same. There's one word changed to protect the innocent. He, he changes instead of the Spirit, he puts what? The Word. So you want to be full of the Holy Spirit? You, you've got to be full of the Word. If you're not filling yourself with the Word of God, you're not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a miraculous, mystical, comes, overtakes you oh, kind of moment. If you don't know the Word of God, you're not going to be able to yield control to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God, because you don't know the Word of God. Now, there are moments that God has miraculously done things, but He expects us to do our due diligence, study the Word. The deacons are to be men who are in tune with God, led by God, and who display godly ways in their lives. Again, this ought to be fruit. This ought to be evident. You ought to see this in the people. Number three, they were to be gifted men. They're also to be full of wisdom. This means that they are to be able to make sensible decisions. One thing that's lacking, that's no longer common, is common sense. We need some common sense deacons, right? We need some people who actually put on the thinking cap and think. Praise God, I've got those men, right? I can say that the deacons at this church have been sensible men, right? Gifted men, full of wisdom from above. They are not to be influenced by personal opinions. Okay, that's important, guys. We don't run a good old boy show here. That's not, you know, we build up pockets of Hatfields and McCoys. Personal opinions, family concerns, or emotion. That cannot have a play in the decision process that, that leads this church in, in certain areas. By the way, again, if deacons are functioning as they're supposed to be, that should not be happening. Because the spiritual direction of the church rests in the hands of the pastors. Understand that? Now, deacons are weighing in on caring for the widows. They have each... Of the, all, all you have a deacon. You should have deacons who are calling you, who are checking in on you, praying for you, 
reaching out to you. All right? They have a care ministry, which is, again, seen here in Scripture. That's important. They're not, uh, they are to make their decisions based on what thus saith the Lord. That should be their authority, what guides them. Not Pastor Jeremy, right? But thus saith the Lord. But thus saith the Lord has pastor. This time it happens to be Pastor Jeremy. Sometime down the line it'll be somebody else. But again, there should be a concert of working together just like in a home when a husband and wife are working together. Don't worry, we're all the bride in the analogy with Christ, okay? So I didn't just call my deacons a bunch of ladies, all right? We're, we're all women, if you will, in the bride of Christ, all right? If you want to go there, if you don't go there, this is, anyway, be sensible. Six takeaways. Here we go, number four. They were to be men who grasp the truth. Notice what the Amplified Version says. They must possess the mystic secret of the faith, Christian truth, as hidden from ungodly men with a clear conscience. A deacon should know the Word of God. They should know the Word of God. Now again, they, they, they don't have to be a teacher in it. They ain't got to be an expert in it. The, the thing that, that we need from deacons, love the Lord, love people. But they should be a student, a disciple, desiring to grow. Isn't that what we all should be? Isn't that what we all should be? Yeah. Number five. They were to be men who guarded the unity of the church. Guys, this is so important. Deacons are to be peacemakers. Their ministry was first established to bring peace to the first church. What was happening in that church? Who helped bring the peace? It was the deacons. A problem arose. The deacons did the right thing. They took it to the spiritual leadership of the church. They asked for counsel. The counsel came. Hey, guys, we've got our plate full. You're going to need to take this responsibility. There was delegation that happened. It's no different than what happened in the Old Testament with Moses and his father-in-law comes to him and says, man, you've got too much on your plate. What do you need to do? He delegates the responsibility. That responsibility, guys, is very important. And what we see happening when those deacons functioned as they should, it brought unity. They were fighting for unity. There was a division already starting to happen in the church. And so those deacons pulled together, worked together, and brought peace. That's huge. That's important. That deacons be garters of the unity. The complaints about the benevolence ministry stopped the complaints were by the Greek-speaking Jews. The Hebrew-speaking Jews obviously bent over backwards to preserve the church's unity. For all the men selected had Greek names. Isn't that interesting? Esteeming others greater than self appears that that took place there in that practice, did it not? Hmm, interesting. Still true today. Anytime a church has deacons who are properly doing their jobs, the church is more likely to be in unity. That's huge. All right, number six. They were to be men who go forth with the mission of the church. Remember when all this ended up being sobbed? They went out and the gospel spread. Their purpose... And unity 
was for the sake of the furtherance of the gospel. Community Baptist Church, pastors and deacons today and in days to come, it's for the purpose of going forth in unity for the sake of the gospel. The mission is at hand. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Conclusion. We need men who are good, godly, gifted. We don't necessarily need men who are good businessmen. We don't necessarily need men who have money. We don't necessarily need men who are a certain age. We, we need men who know God, who know His voice, who have a heart to serve, and who will be a blessing to the church. That's who we need. We need men of God who will guard the unity, grow in truth, that they can grasp it with a clear conscience and go forth with the mission of the church for the sake of the gospel. You know, you often hear the saying, we don't need yes men. We don't need yes men. You know what? I, the more I think about that, I actually disagree with that statement. We need yes men. Men who will say yes to the authority of Jesus Christ. Men who will say yes to the leadership of the head of the church. We need men who will say yes when it's biblically right, when it's biblically sound, no matter how unpopular it may be. We need men who will stand on the authority and the integrity of Scripture regardless of what people might think. We need yes men. Yes men for the Lord. That's what we need. Let's pray. Father, not the most glamorous study in the eyes of some, no doubt, but it's truth. The truth is we need godly men as pastors, as deacons to serve the local church. We need the local church made up of men and women who will be obedient to your commands, who love you, who love others, and desire to do what's best, what's pleasing in your sight. And Lord, we realize we all do this in imperfection. None of us have arrived. None of us have this figured out. None of us walk without stumbling, tripping, or falling. But I am thankful for the grace that sustains us I am grateful for your truth that's a light and a lamp to the path and to our feet. And so, Lord, let us not walk in the dark, but let us walk in the light. Let us honor you as we seek to move forward, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. My prayer is you will strengthen this church, preserve this church for your namesake. Lord, multiply us in discipleship growth and numeric growth, if that be your will. But Lord, may it all be done for the advancement of your namesake and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.